it is episode 335 of This Is Whole Life. And if you tuned in last week, you know that we have a special surprise today. This is something that I'm not sure I ever thought would happen. And it really took coming to the end of the road. Like <laughs> this is the last exit ramp before we get off the highway. And it was our very own Tammy Sinkamani preaching for the unbelievably the very first time, like anywhere, like she's like, have you turned down speaking offers before to have for people that have asked you to do this? I don't I can't know if anybody it. was silly enough to invite me before this. No, <laughs> no. See, I just, I can't imagine it. I think, and if you know Tammy, you know that she doesn't like to toot her own horn. She doesn't like to be the center of attention. She likes to be in the back behind everything. But I just find it really difficult to believe that no one has been like, hey, Tammy. I think we need you to come and speak. Oh, I mean, Andy would push it occasionally, but well, you know, Andy, I, I, I hope you're listening. Out. Good job, yeah, buddy. No. Actually, Andy was a little bit miffed after hearing her speak. He said, <laughs> "Oh, you worked for me all these years, and then here comes Ken, and he gets you to do it in the like, year and a half." <laughs> Good job, Ken. Guess I'm just more manipulative. <laughs> well, and I like the fact that we can just use that word in open company and just feel, and, and feel good about it. I feel like we just have to own the truth. <laughs> well, speaking of owning the truth and dangerous, eh, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And when it was like, oh, we're doing dangerous worship. And I'll have to admit that I was like, yeah, I've done some dangerous things in and out of worship. And I'm like, how dangerous can it really be? But this week, I really felt like this owned the title dangerous because dangerous community was the, was the topic. And the, I'll just read you the two sentence outline who should be allowed into the community of worship. What do we risk by holding a large inclusive picture of God? And it's like, uh Oh, Already we're inviting people or we're allowing people and now we have an inclusive picture of God or we just have a big picture, a large picture of God. And all of those things, when you start adding them up, and I don't think it matters which denomination you're in, those are all things like, you know, we draw lines in the sand. Mm -hmm. This is the, you know, you live across the holler, as it were. And these are fighting words. Like this is what we hold near and dear when we think of church which I think is often confused with worship, which is maybe why this is so dangerous. And I, Tammy proposed three different types of dangers and real danger, perceived danger, and necessary danger. Necessary danger. There it was. I got to rattle my. This is such slippery paper. I, Tammy was printing something on the copier, and it's like, <laughs> this stuff is like glossy. I feel like it should be on the wall, and I can't really get my fingers around this. I loved the story that you talked about the 10 lepers mm -hmm. and the Samaritan and being one of those lepers and being the only one that comes back. We know the story, but how many times have, have we heard that story and, and didn't really stop to take a deeper look like you did? And, and how many churches, like, have we all been to where the unity, like you talked about is a result of the circumstances? Well, we're all Adventist and we all, there's not a church within 200 miles. So I guess if we're going to church, we're going to church with them folk. Yeah, And yeah. you know, that's uh that's not maybe who we'd want to be there. Or it wouldn't be the style of worship that we wanted, or maybe we don't like the pastor's delivery. I mean, there's a lot of things that people complain about no about doubt. church. So it, it becomes more of a, well, this is the only place we can go. 
But these also can be seen as safeguarding measures. Well, this is what it is. And if we keep these closely herded together, we can kind of keep everybody in line and make sure they're worshiping properly because this is right, this is wrong, or this might be a little bit over the edge. This might be too dangerous. How have you seen your time like here at, at Florida Hospital Church, at now Whole Life Church, that's a long time to be at one place and to see how over the course of time, how have we led or how are we leading as a church in that space that our sometimes our worship is seen as dangerous mm -hmm. because of the welcoming spirit that we have here and we're, we're not trying to do the other. Yeah, I, I, I think part of that is just the fact that we've we've always, I mean, the leadership at this church, you know, Andy and, and thankfully, you know, Ken is of the same. There is a, not just a desire and interest, but a an excitement about trying new things, about pushing the boundaries, about, you know, I, I guess when I think about God in general, I think Jesus in particular, Jesus wasn't a safe person. I mean, he didn't last very long on this earth. And I think one of those reasons is because, you know, he just, he pushed. He pushed at things that were supposed to be just common knowledge and we're going to keep it this way. Um, and I do think, going back to what you're talking about, the story of the um, of the 10 lepers, it's interesting because our chat online, people automatically start going to, oh, this is a great story about gratitude. Oh, this is like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, it's not really where we're going. But the whole story, it's so easy to miss that aspect that, that Christ points out there was a Samaritan. Mm. And and like you said, the, the whole idea of this community of 10 lepers where they weren't, they didn't consider themselves dangerous to each other anymore yeah. because they saw a common ailment, a common brokenness. And I think that's what we miss sometimes in the church. We like to to point out different people that we might consider might not really fit into the community or might be, not, not be good to welcome into the community. And, and I think it's because we don't understand that we're all lepers. You know, we're all broken. We're all a part of this. And our only hope is that we realize that we are a community and accept that even when it's a dangerous community because we're different and that requires a lack of comfort. Ken talked in his sermon last week about the fact that worship isn't about comfort and we don't like that because mm -hmm. we look to worship as this is the place I'm going to go and I'm going to relax and I'm going to feel comfortable. These are my people. This is who I am. Um, I, I don't think that's what we're called to and I think that's what this whole series is about. But they, we just mentioned that they shared in their common misery, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's like, okay, well, we have to be together. We don't really have a choice. Right. Why isn't the reciprocation of that true? Why, if you flip that and now they're all healed and they still don't, but now immediately they don't stick together. So is it only in the, in the bad times? I mean, is that what we're, <laughs> we're like that when we, is it only because we have no choice? that we're together because as soon as the it's like okay we're all healed we can all go back to life and now separation goes back into account well you know it's interesting tammy weiss came up to me after the the service and she had mentioned because i had gotten a question about um why did jesus have to heal somebody before they were accepted back into worship you know the whole point of the story was that i think jesus was telling them you know this this person is acceptable regardless and tammy brought up something that i thought was really brilliant and she said you know the the whole concept back in that culture in that time was that people got leprosy because of a sin they committed oh right yeah. or a sin their parents committed or you know that sort of thing and so it wasn't just the fact 
that they were separated out of worship because of their their ailment. It was a character assassination. And so basically mm. what you have in the story is Jesus, who is God, breaking that down even and saying, no, this was not because of a sin that this person committed. This is, you are accepted, you are loved, you are allowed to worship. And I think sometimes... You know, you're asking, you know, wouldn't these maybe these 10 guys, because they had been hanging around together, you know, maybe they, I doubt they would. I think because the culture, it's so easy to slip back into culture, Mm, you know, and chances are if they were again accepted by the acceptable people who decide who is acceptable, they wouldn't want to step out of that again because the culture that's created. And I think so what I'm, my biggest hope, and I think what we're trying to do here at Whole Life Church is to say, let's be countercultural. Let's not say that anyone is excluded from worship. Let's bring them along. Let's bring them in and let's not, yeah. Because we've all felt like the Samaritan at some point, whether it's just a sure. church you don't know anybody at, and you're yeah. like, well, I kind of feel like I'm alone yeah, here. Sure. Or it's because you feel like, you know, maybe people do know my past. Maybe, maybe, maybe somehow that got out, or you're just sure. not accepted for whatever reason. And there's, of course, the seemingly the obvious uh, external sins that people, you know, if you stomp your cigarette in out on yeah, the way into yeah, church, it's like, yeah. oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, now we have concerns because there's probably other issues at play. And, I and just, none of us, none of the rest of us have issues, no, Randy. No, no, the rest of us came in pretty shiny and squeaky this morning. You know, I was <laughs> I was pretty happy coming to church this past week, and it was actually a really bad morning for me personally. And I was just like, I didn't want to, it, it just started like, you know, how it is where I don't want to get out of bed. That's the start. Mm-hmm. The second one was just like there were people driving slow on the way to church that were driving me crazy. And I was already a little <laughs> bit late. And then when I got downstairs, they didn't have the table set up the way I wanted them. And, you know, it's just all those little things that mean absolutely <laughs> nothing. And then you go, wow, I just wonder why we slip back into these things. And you're yeah. like, oh, maybe I should look in the mirror. This human morning. nature. It's human nature. And, and see that. But I love the fact that that's not what we do here. No. I hope not. I mean, I'm I'm not saying we don't. Well, I'm not saying you know, it doesn't we're happen. Imperfect. But- yeah, the church is humanity, and humanity's imperfect. But I, I think our 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 greater hopes are hmm. that. I think the the beauty of that story is how dangerous Jesus is to the the you know in terms of exposing what was actually underlining the whole thing, and that is. That's why I really liked what Tammy brought out. It, it, there's this idea that um, I, I'm going to be complacent now. I'm mean, literally complacent sure. in my own leprosy, so mm-hmm. to speak, because mm-hmm. I found something that works for me. I found something that works from the standpoint of now I'm accepted by this group as opposed to the other group. And Jesus exposes a deeper issue in the overall community, and that's, that's why I think he's dangerous. And I think that's what he calls us as a church, as his church, to be dangerous in, ex- in terms of exposing those things that we do get complacent about and not realizing how important it is to have Jesus as the real person. Because he, he, he exposed, and I think this story floated around early church Christendom, and then it got changed during the Middle Ages because it just looked like a story of gratitude. <laughs> but I think this story was important to the early church from the standpoint of Jesus is the person that we worship, not mm. the community, mm. not the culture, not the the priest that you know that, and that's what he sh- he showed them is that 
under all of this, and by the way, Jesus is dangerous. He's also safe. He's kind of sure. both. You know, it's kind yeah. of a he's dangerous, dangerous to, some, to some and to some ideas. Yeah. 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 So here comes the Samaritan back to finally worship, which yeah. he hadn't been able to do most of it all of his life. Yeah. Yeah. So when when I think about that though, and you if you've ever felt like the Samaritan, which I th- again I think we all have at some point, but that moment it's all, to me when you when you laid it out in that way, it made me get a uh, it gave me a different picture of Jesus because we know everybody's precious to him, mm-hmm. and you know it's just like the story is I think it's in Mark where he's taught where the the disciples are pushing the children away and he's going right. no 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 no, and here it's like the people that were the you know the chosen people and they were healed and again like you said they were just doing what they were told to do they were they were following instructions. But nobody else stopped to see what the beauty of it was like the Samaritan did. And I just, for me, it just gave me a a really warm, um, a really warm fatherly best friend kind of picture where it's like, oh, he came back. And I, 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 from Jesus' point of view, Mm -hmm. that this person came back and I think Jesus was just, I think his heart was touched and it just, it just, the way you described it, just, I had this picture going in my head, both, both messages as you got there. And it made me go, that's what Jesus feels like when I say, yeah, I'm, today I'm, I'm giving my life to you again every morning. And that was a, that was a good feeling. And it was something that I took away as something I can do on a regular basis just to have that feeling. And I, I just thought that was really unique to, to see it that way. Not that it's never been, I've never, but I've just never thought of it that way. Well, and as important that is to you as that is to you, think about why would you not want everyone to have that same experience? Right. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't you want them to have that? And if that's something that you can, it's hard to convey though. I mean, what it, it took me a long time to just say what I just tried to say, and it didn't come out all that well in the first place. <laughs> but it's hard to tell somebody how Jesus makes you feel when you think about him in different ways, and you see these stories, and you think, oh, it's just a Bible story. That's old. It's been told a thousand times. There's no meaning left of that. And then all it takes is someone else coming at it from a view, even if it's just for a moment that you hadn't thought of or you hadn't thought of that day, that just gives you this really cool picture of Jesus and it just makes you reevaluate to me it was just a it was just a cut point and a total reevaluation of my day and uh, I hope it just continues like that in the morning I've been thinking about it every day since you've you brought it up so thank you that was well uh, you're very kind that was it Ken why didn't uh, why didn't we have Tammy preach sooner <laughs> You'd have to ask Andy that. Way to go. Andy, I hope you're listening. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. No, he tried. No, he it tried. was it was great. I am glad that we uh, we finally got her to do it because it was uh something if you haven't caught the message yet, please do go check it out and you can swipe up in today's show notes and you'll find that in our sister podcast. Speaking of grace, the message is already there for you to listen to. And I hope you enjoyed as much and are blessed by it as much as I was. You kind of transfer to the granddaughters mm-hmm. and, you know, and being, was it Nona? Nona. Nona. Right? Nona. Yes, that that's is, me. That's, that's awesome. the Italian form of the, grandma. Yeah. The Nona. I like yeah. that. But in in how, in just the picture of how we've, we've all, you know, seen God, it's like, oh boy. I just yeah. messed up big time. Eden drops a candle and, you know, a little worried about what Nona's going to think or what might happen. And like, I did a bad thing. And again, just from, we don't often hear from a female's perspective. 
and from the grandma and from, you know, the, the mom, the grandma, the, the Tammy, who is just a woman with life experience that it was a really cool look again at just how God thinks about us. And when you, you, you went on to talk about Adam and Eve and like, who told you you were naked in the garden? And I thought that might've been the, the coolest part of the message. Like who told you? And instead of who told you you were naked? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's so funny how, it, depending on your picture of the character of God is how you read most of Scripture, I think. But in that particular story, it, it did. I mean, when, I, when that whole experience happened to me with Eden, um, it absolutely broke my heart because that child has never, I mean, she's been raised by two amazing parents, so she knows grace and love and is I mean she's she's grown up in a home that that that's been very secure. We're, I'm very thankful for that. So there is nothing from her life experience that should have told mm, her yeah. that there would have been fear. There is nothing. I mean, yeah, sadness maybe because maybe this was something that was that that Nona liked, you know. But there was fear in her eyes, wow. and it it wasn't fear that she was going to be punished necessarily, but it's just a, a fear to me, what I related it, it was a relational fear, like, what did I do that's going to damage oh, okay, the yeah. connection that I have with Nona? And so, and she just, you know, fire, you know, with the, the, she just burst into tears and it just broke my heart. So I immediately just scooped her up because the only thing I wanted was for her to know that nothing Nothing mattered to me like she does. Yeah. And there's, I mean, was was I glad that the glass broke? Well, no. But, you know, honestly. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just a glass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it, it was a relationship thing. And so I think I had a friend of mine who after uh, uh, after church was talking to me and it's like, but, but I don't read anywhere that Satan, you know, told them they were naked, you know, or this sort of thing. And I said, well, but I think it's human nature. Yeah. When we do something, that's where we go. We go to fear. We go to if there's particularly if there's someone we care about and we're close to. How have I damaged that? What have I done? What have, and, yeah. What have I done? And Eden yep. knew. I mean, sure, she's six years old. She's been told, Eden, you don't play with everything. You know, Eden. <laughs> you know. So she knew she was responsible for that. So it's not a matter of accountability. It's a matter of relationship. And this is so I, I saw that very easily. In the story, you know, when, when you know, God asks, you know, who told you you were naked? It's not, because again, God, God would have God known who told the lie. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so he, since God knows everything, there, there wouldn't have been any doubt about that. But, but it was more of a, let me pull you back in. Let me, let me draw you to myself mm. again. Let me, let me assure you that your nakedness is, is, is not the point here. You know, you're that you it's okay to be naked with me. Yeah. You know, you don't have to run and hide because I understand the brokenness and and yeah, I I, I wish you would have trusted me, but this relationship is still solid. Mm. You know, so man, that that's a beautiful thought when you think about people that are still feeling I mean we probably all still feel naked in our spiritual sure. journey uh on a, maybe not a fairly maybe fairly regularly I don't know that depends on everyone's journey but how do you convince somebody though that sees that or grew up kind of thinking that way like you know the who told you you were naked versus right. who told you you were naked you know, well, you, know what's, you know what's interesting, Randy. I did. I did not grow up in a, in a home of faith. I I didn't become a Christian until I was um, a young adult, and yet the little 
pieces from going to like vacation Bible school on occasion or Christmas or Easter occasion, the little pieces that I did hear about God, I was quite sure that this was a being who was waiting for me to do something wrong. Yeah. That's that's kind of the natural concept of God, which is wild because it's not the concept I have at all anymore of God. But yeah. But I think we get that even if even friends that I have that some I grew up with, some I've met later in life, that didn't like you they didn't grow up with a spiritual background of, of pretty much any mm-hmm. formal kind. Mm-hmm. Like you said, maybe an occasional program here or there, right. or Christmas or things you see you might watch on TV or movies or something like that. But where does that come for them? What the thought that came to me was, where where do we get that from? From people that are looking at Christianity and they're going, all I see is the who told you you were naked. You know, that's mm-hmm. what they hear, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I think they pretty much get it from us. <laughs> <laughs> because what else is there? What's their compass? What is their Where's where are they getting their information from, and that is to me, and just in my journey, that is the highest hurdle that we have to overcome, mm-hmm. is how we look at God, and when we don't trust Him, when we don't do, and when we don't look happy for long periods of time, and not to say that there's not things in life that can justifiably keep you there, but as Christians, eventually we have to rely on God and, and find some joy in the process and, and the gratitude. And I think to myself, how, and I think we do a pretty good job here at, at Whole Life Church, but how do we, how can we maybe, what would we improve on or what would, how, how would our messaging look or maybe how we're living? I'm not sure the answer. It'd be is, dangerous. It, well, it would, it would be, it would, it would be dangerous. Nice. And I think that's why we don't do it. It, it, it's it, it's it dangerous is. to put yourself out there. It's dangerous to be honest and transparent. And I think that's maybe the piece that we're maybe missing, but I don't, I don't know. I, I think that one of the postures that we have, and I think that's the posture that we always see, is that God's, God's holding back things from us. Mm-hmm. And for us to get those things, we got, we have to, we have to please him. You know, yeah. we have to do things that make him like us again. Mm. And so I think that mindset is kind of baked into a lot of things, uh, how we're raised, you know, get on dad's good side. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's baked into a lot of our relationships. And that's not the thing that Christ is trying. I think Christ is saying, look, please understand, I already love you more than you could ever ever possibly know. Mm-hmm. So if we're constantly thinking about that, then we're going to be probably doing the shame thing a lot. Well, I think we can only understand as much grace as we're capable of giving. Yeah. And we're only capable of giving so much, so we can't possibly yeah. comprehend God's grace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so quiet, Ted. I know. I'm like, this is... We're, <laughs> I didn't preach this week, so... <laughs> yeah. We're setting. We're so gonna, I'm making sure that Tammy has plenty of time to say whatever she wants to say. <laughs> sort of, and I'm sort of nice that way. I if you, if you for me to hang myself, that's what he's waiting. No. You guys can't see no. it, but like after we were done, like the three of us all turned and looked at Ken, and he just gave us the eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> it was well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Don't need to add anything to something that's already good. I will say, I did. I really did appreciate the um the, that reminder about those um. 10 lepers. And it, it, I think the other part that, that really 
I think we probably all ought to spend some time thinking about is the um, the three different kinds of danger that that Tammy talked about because I think that really does play a lot into the way that we go about making assumptions about who's who's worthwhile to be at mm-hmm. church services and who's not and who can be involved in church services mm-hmm. and who can't you know there's the, the you know the the the, the, the real danger um, that's out there and then there's the uh, go through them again Tammy for us real, is real perceived, perceived, perceived and, and, and then necessary necessary, necessary. Yeah. and i think that i think probably one of the trickiest things is to tell the difference between the three I think that a lot of times we we make we often throw things into the real danger category that really belong in the perceived mm-hmm. danger category, um, and that there are times that we aren't willing to actually um, move into the necessary danger area and and engage something because it's necessary. You know, so often times we we hear, well, you know, what what am I going to? Um, what am I going to tell my children if they, you know, if you, if you have somebody that's, you know, we'll just use the the good old Adventist one that I heard. My, uh, I had an aunt who was dating a guy that was smoking, um, wasn't a Seventh Day Adventist, and, um, you know, the thing that you hear people say is, well, you know, if that person's smoking around my kids, what do I tell them? Or, you know, what if that person got up front and gave the scripture, what is that saying to my kids that they're getting up front giving the, the scripture even though it's a known fact that they're smoking? Um, and for me, that it, it's an interesting conversation to have because I think there's, there's valid parts of the conversation, there's invalid parts of the conversation. One of the things that we rarely question is, you know, uh, I'll just put it out there. I've been trying to lose weight um, because I've found myself getting to a point where I'm not not happy with with where I've gotten. I don't feel like I'm. It's terrible, but it's not. It's not the direction isn't the right <laughs> direction. And so, um, so you know, I've been trying to watch my calories, which is painful. I've never had to do that before in my life. I know it's a very blessed life to not have to do that up till this point. But I've been you know trying to watch my calories and go work out. It's interesting to me how. I don't think anybody would ever call Ken out for gluttony. Yeah, yeah. If you know, if my shirt doesn't fit quite right, and you know, nobody was going to say much about that. Nobody's going to have a real issue with me being up front. Um, and yet, we go ahead and take certain subjects and we make them. You're you're okay to be up front. You're okay to be part of community with these known sins, or but you're not okay with those known sins. And I think we have to be really careful because I think that one of the, the things that hit me um, really hard, and I said it during the Q&A during first service about what Tammy said, is the guests don't get to choose the guest list. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And that one, I thought that that was just spot on the money because, you know, when you look at all these stories in the Bible, you look at the prodigal son coming home, the father doesn't do a, okay, are you ready to quit doing this? Have you <laughs> quit doing that? embraces him, puts the robe around him, puts the ring on his finger, which is basically giving him the unlimited family credit card. And that's before the kid is ever really, I mean, he's he kind of was like, I'm not worthy to be your son, but he hasn't 
there's no proof that he's really changed. And as somebody who's lived through that kind of situation, I can tell you, relapses happen. <laughs> yeah, they do. And and um, yet the father welcomes him home. And I think that one of the things, when people come to me and say, well, what do I tell my kids if they see this person doing this thing that I disagree with? It's, for me, it's, hey, that's great. You have Now you have an opportunity to have a conversation <laughs> with your kids about values that you have. Yeah. And by the way, your kids will have the same questions watching TV and watching movies. And for some reason, we think that, that well, that's the world. Well, you know what, kids, when I, anyway, <laughs> I, I just think it's really important. I know one of the things that we always told my kids, because we grew up, my kids grew up in a pretty strict, we had some pretty strict ways of doing things. I mean, we grew up without our kids I think until our kids were 13, they weren't watching much, if any, TV or movies. We didn't. They weren't watching Disney movies. They weren't watching any of a lot of this stuff. And I'm not here to push one the way that we did things. But what I am here to say is, we grew up with our kids being around a lot of people, including church leaders, sometimes my bosses, that did things differently than we did, and that saw the world differently than we did with what our kids and so my kids would come home well, so-and-so gets to do this and their dad's <laughs> a pastor and you know so-and-so does that and their dad's a works at the conference office and 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 we would say you know what guys what they do is their business wetmores are different we're different we do things the way that we do them and we're going to be different with the way that we do what we do. And we're not going to judge those people. We're not going to say that they're, we don't want you going telling their, you know, your friends that they're, (laughs) that they're not right, that your mom and dad know that this isn't the right thing to do. We just want you to know that this is the way that we believe. And this is what we think is important. And it's not, it's never good to look at other people and base your decisions off of what other people are doing. You need to have your relationship with Jesus and decide what he's asking you to do. One of the things I think that one of the greatest things we can teach our kids and that we ourselves can do is I think it's important for us to say, look, they're on their walk with Jesus, and I'm on mine, and I'm going to talk to my kids and train my kids to not be looking at other people to make their decisions, and instead saying, what is it that Jesus is telling you to do? And, you know... So far to date, and I don't want to jinx myself, I'm really happy with the way that my kids sure. are looking at life. I'm really happy with the way that they're choosing to do things. And I've just found in my my walk, the less we try to be controlling and forcing of other people, the better the outcome in the in the long run. I th- I think that's that's really Good, really good thoughts, Ken. Um, and and it is. There's no doubt. I don't think Adventism is alone in this. I think Christianity in general. A lot of times, we like to look at behaviors. Mm. You know, we like to d- decide, and as if because of the way you behave or don't behave is 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 how God's going to value you. Um, I I think. It's hard to put the sins on the rated meter if you don't do that. Though, I know, Tammy. and and I'll, I'll be I'll be very honest with you, and and maybe I'm gonna I'm here I'm here I'm getting ready to hang myself. No, Ken, um, but you know, That's why I've, it's quite got, up I've to got this point. Yeah, I was just... <laughs> I've got two months left, so you know it's gonna happen. Um, but I think for me, and and I'll I'll be honest with you, the thing that was front, probably front and center in my mind uh, in preparing for the sermon was not so much when we look at each other because of our behaviors. 
But when we decide that God values people based on who God created them to be, you know, I think, I mean, we've done this historically. Um, it happened when the Christian church segregated slaves. It happens today when we um, disengage or, or, or disenfranchise women, you know, um, LGBTQ plus community. I mean, it, it's, I feel like the, the, the Christian church tends to, again, try to figure out the guest list. Mm, yeah. And I think if someone is genuinely seeking God, someone is genuinely wanting to be a part of a worship community, and we think that we can draw those lines and make those decisions for God to somehow protect God, I just think that's um, really, really unfortunate. And that's a that's a dangerous slope we've never seen end well, and yeah. it gets there pretty quick. And yeah. I'm glad you guys brought the conversation that way because uh, we're going to get to questions next, but the I wanted to get to one of our Whole Life Reflections this week, which said, what does the church risk by creating reasons to keep people out of fully engaging in a worship community? And that was, I mean, they were all good. And again, swipe up today. Check out Speaking of Grace in the show notes there. You will find all of the reflections for this week. But but it made me think of what what are, what are the risks that come from inclusion? Because we we're kind of talking about inclusion this mm-hmm. week as part of our philosophy mm-hmm. is worship as well. Um, but like the philosophy of, of inclusion by being present. Yeah, you can be here. But also, please watch your what you do, watch your behaviors, because we don't really want anyone to know about, you know, <laughs> what we all know. So, so please, please be on your best behavior. Please wear appropriate attire. You know, take your list and make it however you wish. And then, the problem just ends up being though that right below that you get a, it's really a total exclusion. Inclusion is not being present. It's actually being being a part of the community and being a valued part. Exactly. And then being a valued part means like Ken said, it means this person does get to go up front, whether or not they're, they smoked a cigarette on the way into the auditorium today or whatever their sin might be that you see or you don't see. And, you know, inclusion has to be part of that as long as we're not, you know, breaking laws, hurting somebody, something that, that one of the danger to the community. Yeah. I think one of the things that really, that we kind of sometimes think that by doing that, by doing that, we think that we're somehow encouraging that person to change a behavior that we think is not correct. And I think we're actually accomplishing the exact opposite. And I think that if you really want people to grow in Jesus, they have to be included. They have to be in community. They have to be a part of things. They have to be invited. And when you leave people out, they're just like, okay, fine, I'll go somewhere else. I'll do, I, will, I will leave... It's when you draw somebody into a friendship and a relationship with you that you actually gain the right to have conversations, to to be in community with those people of all kinds. And, you know, the, the people, there are so many very, very lonely people in the world. I, I mean, I just, in the last week, I gave somebody a hug and they said, thank you, I, I don't get that very often and I, I needed that and I and just hurt my heart that yeah. that you know just people that you would just not even think not even mm-hmm. think yeah. and they just but they're and 
And that's one of the things that, to me, is just always key. You look at these stories with Jesus and the lepers, and Jesus touched people that that society said he should not be touching, that he shouldn't be reaching out to, and he gathered them in, and he ate at their table, and he, you know, it's... You know, it's the equivalent today. Jesus eating at, at the table of these tax collectors is, you know, there's a there's, it's the equivalent of putting people up front at church. That sometimes that that you would say, well, well, wait a minute, can we do that? And and Jesus, the answer is yes, because Jesus did. Mm. Jesus did it, and that's that's exactly what the Pharisees were saying to him. Do you know what you're doing by eating with these people? You're saying that what they're doing is okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's what I'm saying is I'm in community with this person. I love this person. There, there's somebody that wants to be in community with me. And Jesus said, "If if I be lifted up, I'll draw everyone to me." I I don't believe that Jesus. We don't draw people to Jesus by hiding Jesus from them. <laughs> yeah, we draw people to Jesus by lifting Jesus up and putting them in contact. And and so that's why it's so important for people to be involved to to not just simply walk in the door, sit down, and walk back out, but to be involved in a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a very intentional thing for a church to do. You know, we've got the whole no barriers mm-hmm. um, group. You know, when you talk about families that um, have uh, challenges, physical challenges, you know, that sort of thing. And, and it doesn't—you're not going to—somebody's not going to feel included organically, yeah. No. Sometimes, and and it's worth the effort of a church to be inclusive because everybody is welcome. Yeah, I think that's a, a great attitude. And just being a special needs dad, I know that you know there's been times when Emily has been up front and you know been included, and she's. Um, she loves it, except she's terrified of it. And so it always, you know, it's always a, a little bit of a roll of the dice, if you will, how it's going to go. But no matter how it goes afterwards, she'll talk about it for weeks because it's, it's, it's something that she got to participate in. People, re- you know, saw her value in yeah. being a part of it. Yeah. And it's a huge thing. And the, and the, the idea of just being present is not it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect. No. And so being a welcoming church is great. Everyone's welcome, but at some point the rubber has to meet the road and it's not just people with unique abilities, it's just sinners. Like we all just have to realize that all of our brokenness we have to come together and just put that aside. Yeah, God only created beauty. Mm. You know, and even if we might not see or understand the beauty, God only created beauty. And if we view every person walking into the church as a beautiful creation of God. Yeah, no matter what. Okay, let's get to the questions because there's a couple. And I'm going to start with Jamila and Camillo because they stuck around for an extra couple minutes on the chat this week (laughs) and got their questions in really late. And so we're going to start with them. Jamila asked, I still don't understand necessary danger. Would you readdress the description? Uh, oh, and that's not fair because only my sermon notes in front of me. See, I took, I'm a writer. I'm not a speaker, so I don't think from the top of my head. Necessary danger is for me the easy definition is if you, you know, if if your child is playing in traffic, as a parent, you would run out into the road, putting yourself in danger to get your child. It's a necessary thing that you you do because if you don't, something you love is going to be hurt. And so you take on danger 
because it's important. I know in your sermon, Tammy, you you talked about civil rights. Um, I think you mentioned that you know a necessary danger mm-hmm. was was standing up for the rights sure. of uh, of marginalized ethnicities and race races, mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, no, that's not okay." It's not okay, and so a necessary danger is is standing up for what's right, even though you may get hurt in the process, because it's the right thing to do. That's I, that's really good. Do, yes, yeah. and all, uh, I think there are several aspects to that necessary danger. Another necessary, I think, the way I ended the sermon was that what what is in danger, and our hope is that what is in danger is the lie that the, the deceiver that Satan told. Mm. And so we, we are, that's, that's, a, we have to be necessarily dangerous to that lie to put that lie to rest. I'm sorry. I, I think another way of looking at it, I like, you know, it's interesting how, how we each have so many different, um, <laughs> my, my mom and my dad did a really interesting thing when we were, um, when we were, when we were growing up as kids in our family, um, we had uh, we we had a choice at one point. We already had a foster child in our home, but they were always babies, and we usually took took my mom took them in, and they were about with us for about four to five weeks, more of a kind of a transition time. But we had a choice. The, the foster care uh, the supervisor came to us and said, "Hey, we've got a young boy. He's six years old, or I think he was five at the time, and we need a home for him." And it may be a lot longer than you've had. And it's been, you know, it, it, actually we had him for about three years. We had a family discussion. I was about eight years old at the time. And my dad said, we're thinking about bringing in a, a young boy. Now, you would think that having three sisters, I'd be excited <laughs> about the boy, idea yeah. of having, <laughs> you know, a, a brother and having this... I was one of the ones that said, I don't know about this, Dad. And I remember as a as an eight, nine-year-old kid having an opinion for the first time, and I'm thinking, I don't think it would help our family. I think it, you know, we have a close-knit family right now. We, we're already established, having somebody come in. And obviously, you could tell there was a little bit of threat in here. <laughs> sure, yeah. To me, and I felt like, you know, maybe this wasn't a good idea. And I was actually one of the ones that spoke out against it as a, you know, as a nine-year-old. And my dad said... That's probably the best reason for us to do this. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. ouch. There you go. Because he understood what was going on, and, and especially in me. Yeah. And it was the best decision that we could have made for me. That's yeah. a great, is a great illustration. That's like a great that. illustration. All right. Camilla wants to know, how does acceptance and church discipline reconcile with each other? How would, as Christians, we would differentiate Christian culture and inherit and acquired church culture? How healing takes place without tension arising among members. I always say, Andy, I always go back to Andy Stanley. The tension is good <laughs> as long as you manage it appropriately. But the tension is good. It means that there's things that we each hold differently, just like Jeff going, yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. And Dad's <laughs> yeah. going, yeah, there's a little tension in the room, but I think this is why we need to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. How, how do we balance that with acceptance and, and discipline? And, and where does the role of discipline fall in the church? If we're if we're going to be dangerous and let people you know come that maybe others wouldn't, um, you know, I for me, may I think it goes back to maybe raising my children. I mean, there's always going to be things that you know there there's going to be discipline. There's going to be consequences sometimes of 
you know, somebody uh, harms something or... Oh, I have to tell you, church discipline is a real difficult one for me because I just am not, I'm not the person that's in the place of feeling like I need to discipline somebody else. I'm just not, I just. So does that, I mean, is, does that fall? And maybe, maybe we all feel this way. I mean, I know I feel completely incapacitated as a, as someone that's going to discipline, at least in the, the, the way I'm hearing discipline is like, well, you, you know, you didn't tell the line. And so I, but I, but there are times when there are, you know, any, any, any story I've heard of church discipline, it never never set well with me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Ken, you've probably had to do this before as a senior pastor, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. I'm sorry for that. Cause I can't imagine having to be that guy. Well, you know, (laughs) unfortunately, Within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, our church discipline system, which is based off of biblical, and I'm going to use the word, and I think it's important to understand it is based off of biblical principles. It is not necessarily, it's adapted to meet the culture that we've been living in. And the problem with the way that Seventh-day Adventist church discipline works is that it, it's, it's a fine model for a church that has a hundred or less members. But it's a very poor model for a large church like ours because in the end, you're supposed to, you know, you confront the person with one, you know, one person, then it's two people. And then it, it's supposed to come to the church board, but before any church discipline can take place, it has to actually go before the entire church in a church business meeting. And I've really struggled with that because I've, I've seen some really, mm. some things that need to be done dealt with but they don't need to be dealt with with 1200 people and you know with it's not that kind of a you know a conversation that needs to take place and so i think that one of the first things to understand about church discipline is that the only correct form of church discipline is always redemptive mm-hmm. that's the first thing yeah. to understand about it the purpose of ch- church discipline is not to be punitive. In other words, it's not to punish. To punish, yeah. The purpose, and this is, by the way, this is straight out of the church manual. Go look it up. It actually says this in the Seventh-day Adventist church manual. The purpose of discipline is not to be punitive. It's to be redemptive. It's to tell somebody who's making some really bad choices that are hurting themselves and hurting other people, hey, cut it out before you really hurt yourself or hurt other people worse. And so... All of us, when we have kids, we we do discipline in some form or fashion. Uh, some of us maybe do it better than others, but I'd, I'd wager that as much as Tammy doesn't like discipline, I'd wager that she disciplined her children when they were smaller. And when you, when you love somebody, you care about them enough to say, hey, that's, that's destructive. And because that's destructive, we're going to have to have some boundaries that keep you from destroying yourself or destroying other people. And so does this process that you're talking about, does it start out like with what you're saying? If I was the person listening, I'd be like, mm-hmm, not punitive. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? How do- <laughs> and that's, and that's the hard part because I'll yeah. tell you people who are breaking boundaries rarely are sorry for it. And they, in fact, they, you know, if you've ever tried to say, here's a boundary with somebody who doesn't want to deal with that boundary, they're going to tell you that you're mean, that you're unkind, that you're not loving, so on and so forth. 
when in fact you are being kind and loving by having it by saying hey no this is this is the boundary and this yeah. is where we're going to be at what i would say is that in in my estimation jesus we have to be careful because jesus had a, a bunch of sinners that were following him that he was in relationship with when he was here on earth and he still does today and so we want to be careful that we don't become so obsessed with being the disciplinarian in the relationship that we take on the role of the Holy Spirit and God himself in the way that we go about trying to police God's mm-hmm. church. Yeah. Um, and so I have always felt... And there are people who feel the exact opposite of this, and and we'll just have to agree to disagree. I have always felt that it was better to be more merciful and more grace-oriented than it is to be right and to enforce rules. I think people come first, and I think the Bible actually points that out. out. God bears a long time with a lot of people (laughs) before he he doles out discipline. Um, In fact, it seems like God tries everything he can before he gets to that point. And I know you can read the Old Testament and sometimes see it differently, but the way I read the Old Testament, I see God trying everything he can to do that. And so when it comes to church discipline, when it comes to, to being inclusive... I, I think we have to to really think what is going to be the best way to help this person with something that I perceive to be a problem. Yeah. And am I the only one that's perceiving it, or is the church as a whole perceiving that? And that's really what, what the whole Matthew 18 thing comes down to, is the reason why it says get two or three, because there's been more than one time where um, I've thought that somebody was really in the wrong and I've gotten two or other three other people to come with me, and at the end of the conversation, I can. <laughs> the, the issue's really on your side of things here. Oops. You've you've got some some things yeah. you need to take care of. This is not this is not them as much as it is you. So if you're the starter and you're wrong, you also have to be very humble and the you have to be willing to, to you have to be willing to admit to you could be wrong. Yeah. And so you I know I've that. I have never met. I've never met anybody who is enthusiastic about receiving church discipline, but I've sure met a lot of people that are enthusiastic <laughs> on doling it out on other that's people. True. Yeah. That's true. And, um, and so my preferred way of going about it is the biblical way, which is to sit down and say, hey, Randy, yeah. I've noticed this in your life. I'm concerned. I'm concerned for you. I'm afraid of where this is going to lead. I'm afraid of where it is leading. I'm afraid of what's going on. And Randy says, Go jump, go fly a kite, Ken. This is none of your business. At that point, if I feel like it is a Paul, uh, John, I think uses it as a sin that leads to death, and he said there's sins that don't lead to death. I think that's important too. Um, but in those circumstances, if I think that you are endangering other people at, at the church, or you're endangering yourself. That's when I'm going to go ahead and try to take it another step further, and I'm going to say, "Hey, Jeff, can you and and Tammy come with me to to meet with Randy? And Randy, will you please meet with me?" And we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, but um, again, I it it always concerns me. Like if we're going to talk about you know whatever Ken's problem is, let's say you know let's say Ken has a, a has has a problem in his marriage that 
that would lead you to want to need or you know honestly need to lead towards uh, church discipline. Uh, let's go ahead and say Ken's cheating on Rochelle. That's a big problem. Uh, that that is hurting my kids. It's hurting my wife. It can in in my case as is the senior pastor of this church. This Oof. is gonna, it's going to create some massive problems inside this church, and it needs to be dealt with. It has to be. Yeah. The problem is, is that are we going to do that in front of twelve hundred people? Bring out the details of my marriage and what's going on? I don't think that's healthy for anybody. And so that's where, um, ideally, to me. This is where I think small groups are important. I think it, it should happen within the small group context that I would find myself in, where that small group would say, you know, my boss, Orlando Lopez, would say, hey, Ken, you know, we've tried to work with you. You keep just saying this is not a big deal. You know, pastoral ministry probably is not for you at the moment. And that's a painful thing, but it's not. I don't think Orlando at that point would be being punitive. No. He'd just uh, yeah. be saying, hey, look, this is, you know, uh, and and you know one of the cool things I've seen I've seen over the years I've seen having worked in a conference office having been pretty aware of what's going on in in a variety of different um, conferences that I've worked in I've known pastors that have dealt with everything from infidelity to pornography issues and the conferences have have worked with them because the person was like yeah I, I know I'm, I'm I need to get my life together. And there's different ways that the conferences, some conferences, um, depending on what the situation is, and every situation sure. is different, they'll say, hey, you're on a plan to to resolving this issue, and we're and so we're going to work this plan, and, and you stay where you're at. Others, Other situations have said, well, as a pastor, you're going to need to take a, a little sabbatical while we while we go ahead and let you um, get everything work on that up, yeah. a little bit. Or actually, it's not a sabbatical. Let's not get those. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I take a sabbatical, it's usually a leave of absence, yeah. generally speaking. Ken, I've got a few problems I've got right now. I'd like to take my sabbatical so, but Yeah, but my point is, are we being redemptive in what we're doing? That's the big word. Or think, are we yeah. are we just trying to go ahead and make the point that I'm right, you're wrong, and until you can see life the way I do, and there's other things that we're we're just going to have a difference of opinion on something. Absolutely, you think this is wrong. I don't see it as being wrong in my life. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that's anyway. the whole piece of when it does get brought up that the that the the motivation for it being brought up is redemptive mm-hmm. yeah. and not to get them out of the church or get them out of... Because that's where a lot of people want to see discipline go, yep. is to yeah. get them separated from... You need to throw that person And out. I think that is. I mean, when I... And I, my kids would laugh if you suggested that I... Or if I suggested I didn't believe in discipline because... <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, I, th- I think what you both have said, the, the redemptive aspect of... Maintaining the relationship, maintaining you know. Yeah, usually justice means my justice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Last question was from anonymous uh, person who said or asked a question: How do we have God honoring conversations with those who told us all of those things that make us feel unworthy? Because that's a tough one when someone when you're hearing like maybe you've heard God say you know who told you you were naked and you know people have told you those things well I know what you do or someone told me this or they they confront you and and they've told you those things and they haven't done it in that redemptive or that I really have I really care about you and what happens to you I just would really like you to change what you do <laughs> and that's it how do we have how do we respond in a God honoring way and. Maybe, you know, no one is better to answer that than the three 
for us. <laughs> well, we, got, yeah. we just got done reading crucial I, I think, conver- yeah, conversations. I think Jeff, so. Jeff would be a great one to, as a counselor to, to deal with it. this. The only thing I would say from the top is that sometimes there are people that it's healthier not to have a conversation with. And I'm mm. just going to leave it there. And yeah, um, but the, con- the, the question is a very important question. Sure. Because it's not like, you know, because literally a lot of times people will walk back to their house or room or car or wherever they find solace and just break down. You yeah. know, they just, it'll be a really difficult thing to handle. They may have handled it with some poise while it was going on, but then they, it, you know, it just stays with them for a long time. And I think... Um, there, you know, there's a lot of different ways, but I think first of all is just addressing the fact that you can own it, own it in the truth that's there. I think that's a really important. In other words, if somebody is saying something to you, and by the way, their perception is their perception, and you can't change that right away. So, with the usually as a strategic way, you should tell people to just, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure in, in your perception that's a pretty difficult thing hmm. to deal with. Uh, and tell me more. So, you know, you kind of want to get a little bit more of what's behind that so you could get on top of it that way. Mm, yeah. Um, but I, there was somebody that um, was just actually, just to have this happened a couple of uh, weeks ago, um, and they, they said, um, you know... You know, I do wrestle a lot with a lot of things, as I'm sure you do too. And I haven't been told that by God yet. Um, what has God told you about this? Sure. And it's, it sounds a little snarky, but I do think that a lot of times people believe that they're coming with, you know, some some authority or some kind of peace. And it might be good just to sit back and say, uh, you know, I I do wrestle with a lot of things. Help me understand a little bit more of of what you're you know what you're talking about because I want to get, I do want to get to that. But it's hard because when anybody comes to you with something that they think you're doing wrong, yeah, it's a tough. Oh man, it's, it's hard t- not to be defensive. It's hard not to be on that receiving end yeah. and not just putting out. And the guard. most of us, <laughs> I mean, including myself, don't do very well. Yeah, there's a little bit of a a piece that gets built up. But see if you can find some clarity in it. See if you can find some understanding where you could, you know, get a little bit more behind it. And I, I like what you said, though, Jeff. You. you own what you can own. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, you don't have to necessarily discount everything someone says. Own what you can own, but you don't have to own all of it. You don't. You don't have to own all of you it. Just sometimes find the truth. Sometimes you and sometimes it's it's good to have the conversation. Sometimes it's good to not have the conversation. Sometimes it's just good to walk away from the conversation and then come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You can't and it's always good to remember just that you know you have no idea what this person has gone through or what what may have caused it. So at least I, I and this is super hard. I'm not good at it, but Jesus really, was really good at it. Just right? try yeah. to just try to and give he, you the first benefit of but the doubt he, at least. A lot of times he was in the middle of it. He was never you know yeah. he was at the middle, but he was always really good at it when they came to him. But even with a woman caught in adultery, 
um, and by the way, the, the woman and everybody else that was caught, caught in adultery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he said, yeah, you know, you guys are right. You know, man alive. Yeah. So go ahead, pick up your stone. Whoever wants to, you know, who's ever the sinner <laughs> without sin can, you know, without sin. We so. don't get, I don't think we can get away with that though. I think that's just a Jesus thing. <laughs> I, I don't see Probably the rest not. of us getting with. No. So thank you guys for all the questions and the engagement. And of course, if, you know, you don't have to watch online to ask a question, you don't have to, you know, be in attendance. You can ask your questions anytime, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And we'd be happy to cover them each week. Uh, towards the end of Tammy's message, she said, who told you that you were naked? And who told you that you were not enough? Who told you that you were too much? Who told you that who God created you to be is shameful? Who told you that your core belief is hostile to God's love, mercy, and acceptance? Who told you that you are not worthy of God's love? And she finished with, at this church, we believe Jesus has put those lies to rest. We all are invited to and accepted in worship. And that makes this a dangerous community, necessarily dangerous to the lies of the deceiver. And if that's something that we can remember and put in our lives each week as we come to church, knowing that everyone else is on a journey, similar, different, doesn't matter, but everyone broke in pieces, walking in, looking for a little restoration and looking for, and, and not looking for anything punitive. Yeah. We're looking for that <laughs> redemptive. So if we can all keep that in mind, that's great. So Tammy, I thoroughly enjoyed the message. Ta uh, my daughter, Ellie was just thrilled beyond belief telling everyone, did you catch the message? Did you catch them? You got to catch the message. <laughs> Heather, so Mom, sweet. you missed the message. You got to catch the message. You have to listen to the podcast. So thank you for your message. And we're thank just you. sorry that this is probably the only one. Mm. I'm just bummed. That's all. I'll just go there. I don't feel that in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like this will be the only one. Uh, yeah, me neither. Yeah, let's I will Tammy's continue mom. to write. I will continue to write. Yes, I will continue to write. So next week, this is kind of a back to back anomaly, we are going to have another person that I not, I'm sure he's preached here before because yep. I remember at least once since in my time. But Richard Hickam will be our guest speaker this week and he will be continuing part three, right? This will be part three of Dangerous Worship, Dangerous Expressions. How many of our senses are we allowed to use in worship? Uh-oh. Talk about raising those hands. <laughs> what do we risk when we push the comfort zones and allow worship to happen in creative new ways? So, you know, just about as divisive as who we are and what baggage we bring is when we get here. What do we do when we worship? That's just about as controversial. What kind of music do we play? You know, you didn't. What you got lights that move? That's probably not holy. There's lots of things to think about as you do that. So, I would encourage you to not miss that either. But I think that's everything, Tammy. Anything else? That sounds good. I think it's a wrap. Thank you. <laughs> she she says that right. sounds good because it's not me next week. That's, that's right. why it sounds good. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us as always, and have a great week.